0: This is a brand new episode of the World Staffing Podcast, the interview podcast brought to you by Candidate League, where we meet with entrepreneurs, successful business owners and the greatest minds of the staffing industry. We are interested in what drives them, what inspires them. We want to know what their everyday work looks like and what keeps them up at night. We should all learn from them. And at the same time, have a good time. And this is your host, Jan Yedlinski.
1: Welcome to a brand new episode of the World Staffing Podcast, where I meet with entrepreneurs, successful business owners, and the greatest minds of the staffing industry. I'm interested in what drives them, what inspires them, and I want to know what their everyday looks like and what keeps them up at night. My name is Jan and I'm your host for today. I'm very excited to welcome a very special guest for today's episode. He's from Australia. Years ago, he told me he traveled frequently to my hometown in Vienna, Austria to work as a consultant. That's why we both share the love for a good Wiener Schnitzel. And he's also the founder and CEO of Canada's only public consolidator of staffing, IT, and HR consulting firms. Welcome to the World Staffing Podcast, Simon. Oh, thank you very much. It's a real pleasure to be here. Thanks, Simon. I'm super excited for this conversation. I have a ton of questions for you. But before we dive in, tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey into the staffing industry.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting. Like you mentioned, I was originally from Australia. And back in 2000, my wife and I won a green card in the green card lottery and ended up moving to the US. Started out in Las Vegas, wanted to get the cultural center of America first, <laughs> came over. and. Ended up working at KPMG and I was working with some really amazing Fortune 500 clients where I got to do business process redesign and change management and a bit of audit work as well. Ended up working, leaving there and working with a, uh, a French company called Oldran. They had bought mm-hmm. a, 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 an internal audit firm called Control Solutions International. They wanted me to work there and got to meet the ownership of that. And it was a, it was a great company. It was on a very you know, high growth trajectory. Ended up being a managing partner there and ultimately ended up buying that company through a management buyout with uh, two of business partners of mine. And, uh, and that was a, you know, it was a great opportunity for us. It was one of those situations where you've got to be careful what you wish for because I wanted a job that I got to travel the world and got mm-hmm. paid to do it until I had a job where I got to travel the world and got paid to do it because I realized <laughs> going from... Airport to hotel to client to hotel to airport can get fairly monotonous. But as you mentioned in the opening, I got to go to some amazing countries. You know, I was I was traveling all around the world, all through Europe and Asia, and spent a lot of time in in China and, uh, as you mentioned, into uh, into Vienna and uh, Germany and, and London and all these amazing cities. Got to got to see some fantastic places and ended up selling that company to a a public company a few years ago, and then sort of. Did some more consulting work, and then ultimately started uh, what is now High Technologies back in 2017. And it was great. It was this really good opportunity to keep
1: doing the sort of work that I've been doing all my life, working in professional services, and I thoroughly enjoy it. Great, thank you so much. Do you miss the travel over the last, you know, one and a half years? Uh, I guess you haven't travelled. Almost. Yeah. Uh, it to be awareness. honest,
0: no. Uh, I really yeah. it, it does get after all the years that I've that I've done it. It gets a little bit old having to go to the airport and leave your family and and do that sort of travel. I do miss not getting to see my my colleagues. Uh, you know, the uh, the office is headquartered out of uh, out of Toronto, and I live in Boston, so it's a bit challenging for me. You know doing all of this through the video conference. But I've found a lot more efficiencies through this process as well. You can get a lot more done when you don't have
1: the commute and, uh, and that travel uh, on top of it. For sure. Do you think this will stay like that? What's, what's your take on remote work? And is higher technologies now fully remote? How do you handle it? Yeah, certainly for us, we're fully remote. Some of the business units that we own
0: have you know, adopted more of a hybrid model. What was interesting for us and what we see with our candidates, so we've got, you know, obviously quite a few thousands of candidates in our pipeline here going through that we're providing to clients. And, you know, there was an initial, oh, my goodness, I can't do this job from home. This is impossible until people got used to the idea and they sound like this is fantastic. There's a lot of flexibility. I'm actually saving money because I'm not, not having to, to pay for my travel, getting into the office and the community and so on and the flexibility that comes from it. So I think there's been a shift in mindset now where if your job allows you to do it, there is a tendency to want to be able to continue to work from home, at least in a hybrid sort of situation where you're going into the office only a couple of days a week rather than having to go in there all the time. And we we definitely see it with our candidate profiles. And for clients too, the, the clients are looking for not just the closest best resource, but looking for the best resource. And certainly in some areas where... There are skills shortages. You know, like IT is a good example of that, and a lot of US companies are actually looking north of the border into Canada to find the the qualified resources that they need to fill their positions. So, I, I believe that if the company is able to do it, that the hybrid work style is certainly here to stay, and there's a lot of efficiencies and cost savings that come from that for both the employer and the employee.
1: Yeah, I agree, and I think it's a. Uh great opportunity overall for the staffing industry. As a staffing company, you can suddenly work with clients internationally, place candidates in any country in the world enabled by technology and by employer of record services. So I think that's a very interesting time for our industry overall. And it's going to be super exciting in the next couple of years. I always love to ask the question, and I know it's a little bit broad, but what keeps you up at night these days as the CEO of a public-traded staffing, consolidator?
0: Yeah, it's, for for me, it's really, you know, what high technologies does, you know, we're a capital allocator, we're doing consolidation strategy within staffing and SaaS technology and HR consulting. So, those are the three pillars that we're building out. And it's really, trying to make sure you keep your pulse on what are those disruptors that are coming? What's, what's the next thing that's going to be disruptive, especially to the staffing industry? Because there's always a lot of talk about how technology could displace the recruiters and so on. And keeping ahead of that, which is why we have this technology focus within our company as well. So we want to have that be creative and, and also allow us to be flexible in how we're approaching the market. So it's, it's that those shifts in the market. And then I guess for us, well, the other thing would be, you know, understand the public markets. The public markets are fairly frothy at times. And even if you're producing fantastic numbers and you've got good growth numbers, it's also making sure that you keep in tune with what the street is doing and understanding that you've got these two elements that you have to play with. And these are this is certainly a balancing
1: act for me in my role. Cool. Cool. And you know, I'm I'm very excited about higher technologies. It's a model that fascinates me and I think I see it across. Many other industries, specifically real estate and, and insurance, consolidation in staffing has been a topic for the last years. But where do you see the vision for higher technologies? Maybe you can talk a little bit about the company, what you guys are working on, and where do you see it going in the next couple of years? I mean, the staffing market itself globally is a $500 billion market. So it's
0: huge. And there are literally thousands of staffing firms. In, in North America alone, there's something like 30,000 staffing firms. There's not one huge large incumbent in that market. I think the largest North American staffing firm has maybe a bit less than 6% of the market share. So you can see the fragmentation, the opportunity that is there for the company. And it allows us to be very opportunistic about who we want to go after, who we want to acquire and bring into into the business as our business partners. And we do so with a model that is a little bit unique to what you might see from other staffing firms where we maintain the brand of of the firm that we're buying We want those entrepreneurs to stay entrepreneurially minded and and run those businesses and grow those businesses. And we provide them with the back office and shared services for them to to operate with some corporate governance guardrails around the business as well. So it really enables them to keep that sense of identity And keep growing their business, and because of that unique aspect of it, we can have a niche brand come into the company that are known for something. They're really they're experts in a certain part of staffing because staffing is fairly broad, and we then end up having a whole lot of these niche brands that are really well known for certain for different things. And they can they can sort of leverage off of one another. They can share their expertise across the brands, and they all benefiting from that. And obviously, the company overall benefits from it. And the reason that we're adding this this HR consulting element to the company as well is because staffing itself is becoming much more consultative. It's definitely mm-hmm. trending that way. You, know, you look at analyst reports and research reports. You're seeing the staffing industry to start taking on more flavors of consulting. And that's because the clients are looking to try and get more out of the vendors that they engage with and they're trying to leverage that more. And, you know, the human capital strategies are very important for companies, obviously. And then the technology is another aspect for us, which is a really sort of the sizzle to the sake, so to speak, where it allows us to provide another differentiator for our brands going to market and also enables them to be more efficient. And we're looking at tech that's not just for staffing firms or consulting firms, but technologies that help clients, which is why we Mm -hmm. bought Pulsify in April, because that enables employee engagement, helps clients with a hybrid or remote workforce. And those types of products
1: are what we're looking to, to bring into the brand as well. Super interesting. And besides Pulsify, what other technologies do you use? Do you have your core tech stack or favorite tools that you see now coming into the staffing market and ones that have been around where you say, Hey, those are our core technologies that we use to enable all our brands? Or do you have different technologies for different brands? How do you handle that? We definitely try to streamline and
0: you want to have one tech stack that you have across all the brands. It's part of our... Taking out of the SGNA of the brands that we acquire and putting it into our, our shared services is to provide this sort of one common tech stack, as you mentioned, to, mm-hmm. to the brands. And so we use uh, a lot of cloud, everything's cloud based because of this, you yeah, so know, yep. the remoteness of the organization, right? So, you yeah, know, Microsoft Office, Office 365 is the core solution set that we have. We use Bullhorn as our applicant tracking system and CRM. So we have. You know, again, they're probably the big core systems mm-hmm. that we have in there. We've got a brand that uses Job Diva, for example, where you know we're not asking them to change over to Bullhorn because they've just integrated that so well into their operations. So we are flexible in how we do it. And we don't mandate, but we do definitely try and streamline. And there are other technologies that we're looking to acquire to provide to our clients, things like you know that, that provides psychometric testing and enable you to ensure that the employees that you're engaging with, that when the company's bringing somebody in, it's not just the skill set, it's also that work style performance element and making sure they fit the culture of the company, so those types of things. And then the onboarding and offboarding solutions as well, those types of things that help a company manage the, the human capital that they have.
1: Very cool. No, that's, uh, that's definitely a good strategy and a good tech stack. And I feel like around the bullhorn marketplace, you'll find other providers and a lot of automation will come into place in the near future as well. One question that I'm interested in particular, like when you look at the m M&A and market and when you look at acquiring new staffing companies, what would you give as an advice to a staffing owner or operator that wants to sell their business? So when you go into conversations, what would be something that a staffing owner should look for or look at when they are about to sell to somebody like higher technologies or maybe other providers in the market?
0: Yeah, so it's a really good question because obviously we're getting to talk to a lot of different firms and in lots of different stages of their life cycle certainly having a clear understanding of why you're doing the transaction that's probably the most important one to start with is you know why do you want to sell and it's not always it's not always because i'm oh, looking i just want to get that payday i'm looking for i' uh, looking to to get my money out of the balance sheet so to speak but there's a lot of different reasons a lot of different motivations for that and you know we create our deal structures in a very customised, flexible way, because the ultimately the ones and zeros in a transaction will take care of themselves. It's the human element that you have to really focus on to ensure you have successful post-merger integration. So we spend a lot of time wanting to understand why the vendors are wanting to sell their company, what are they hoping to achieve post-transaction, being flexible, because there's often multiple partners in the, in the firms that we talk to. And for the people that are looking to sell, it's having all those conversations beforehand, before you're going out there, talking to potential acquirers, Making sure you understand very clearly what you're hoping to achieve from the transaction, and then on the mechanical sort of the side of things, is you know getting your house in order, making sure you've got your financials all set up and ready to go, that you've got a data room with all your with all your company information and all the type of reporting and everything that we're going to want to look at uh, is there ready, and that really streamlines streamlines the the process. And you know we do a lot of the heavy lifting on our side for the, the vendors that we talk to because we know this is probably their first transaction. And we do multiple transactions. So we, we understand that we need to you know, want to walk them through that process. But you know, ultimately, it is really having a clear
1: understanding of the objectives of, of what they're trying to achieve. Is it hard these days to find people that will sell their staffing company? Because I feel like you know, the last one or two years... I. So a lot of technology providers as well that started to acquire staffing companies specifically for the purpose of acquiring their customer base because it's just so hard to get through all these noise in the market and get to new customers because obviously the services are very similar and Everybody has the best candidates. So even if you're a new technology or freelance platform, it's you know very hard to differentiate maybe from traditional staffing businesses. Do you have a lot of competition from other technology providers that are trying to acquire firms? How do you see that right now?
0: yeah i think there's when I mean, there's definitely there's other uh, private uh, there's other public staffing firms that are looking to to acquire and then there's the the private on the private side of the industry as well of you know private venture capitalists and so on uh, acquiring the firms. and so both of those you would say would be competitors of ours in the market, which is why we've adopted this fairly unique strategy. And it's actually one... A client of mine back in my consulting days was IPG. So the Interpublic Group does a very similar fashion to what we're doing where they are the world's largest marketing firm and they've acquired I think 90 plus brands and they keep all those brands. And what a lot of the... You know, I think for the, the entrepreneurs that have built these companies, they, they didn't come into wanting to be an entrepreneur, owning and running a company to then end up ultimately just being an employee. They want to still have that sense that they're running something and we allow them to do that. So we're another public staffing firm might throw that brand out and just absorb the client base and the candidate database into the company. We keep all that. We keep all that that sense of self. And on the uh, private uh, money side, I mean, sometimes it's an, it's an acquirer who doesn't understand the staffing industry. They don't have a lot of expertise in that. Or they have a different exit strategy. They're acquiring it to then, in a, in a timeline that may not fit to the vendors, to resell it and to get their payday from what the assets they've acquired. So it's aligning that. And, uh, and so for us, It hasn't been that difficult to build our deal pipeline. Our deal pipeline's quadrupled since the beginning of last year. So there's a lot of transactions there for us sort of companies that we're talking to because of the way that we go about bringing these guys in. And we do want to structure the deals in such a way that we have these raving fans that are about the transaction. And so a lot of what we're seeing is the the entities that we've acquired are now out there in the market talking to their network about higher technologies and why they should do a transaction with us. And again, we provided them with... And expanding their skill set that they didn't have before, other solutions, and even just within staffing that they weren't providing, opens up the opportunities to their clients and lets them sell a lot more new things into their clients. Maybe it would have sold in the past.
1: Very cool. Very cool. Thank you so much for that insight. I think that's super interesting. And obviously, the MA market in staffing is super hot. And we had a topic or a session on that at the World Staffing Summit early this year, which was highly frequented. everybody was super interested in it. So I'll definitely touch base with you about the state of MA and staffing in the next couple of months. And probably in our next recording, we can catch up on that. But let's shift gears a little bit. And I know you have answered that question a little bit already, but over the last 18 months, we have seen explosive growth in staffing firms' interest in adopting a platform-based, sort of to say, recruiter-less model for staffing, where basically you create a direct connection between a worker and a client. And we specifically see that on the light industrial staffing and more than on a professional side. But what is your take on that? Is the recruiter going away anytime soon? Yeah, it's a
0: really interesting question certainly the pandemic created a situation where companies were very reluctant to go through an entire interview cycle through through zoom or, or whatever the, the video conferencing features and and they had to do that they they ultimately ended up having to do that in addition companies became much more comfortable with recruiting people outside of their immediate geographic area and it really opened the doors to other opportunities both for the candidate and the company in in doing that and when you've got platforms that are sort of that connecting the, the candidate to the employer directly, that works pretty well in, in certain types of roles. Certainly, if the company has the capacity, it has the, the horsepower internally to go through all those candidates, because they're going to get a lot of candidates. And this is something that are, that is you know, a curation that's happening to the candidates by the recruiting company, by the staffing firm, to present, his, here are the three or four candidates that that meet the skill set, the uh, fit to your culture and everything else that you're asking for. Here are the, here, are the, here is that small curated set. When you're going direct through those other systems, you're not getting that curation of the candidates. So it re- re- means that the company then has to make sure that they are Ensuring they've got diversity practices in place, that they are assessing candidates correctly, they are comparing them. There's a standardization to the process they go through. So that there really is a systematic way of going through some through these candidates as well. Uh, and you're not disqualifying candidates because that could be really well suited to the role. And there's no prejudices and prejudices and so on built into that process. So there's a lot of different things that are happening. And certainly companies and much larger companies do have essentially an internal staffing firm that they're using to go through the process of doing that. But a lot of companies don't, and they're focusing on their core product. Their core product isn't to be a staffing firm. Their core product is something completely different. So let the experts do their expert job providing these candidates to them because the next part of that is if you don't go through that process sufficiently, you could have employee turnover. There was a miss, there was a disconnect, a mismatch and then you're going to have the employee turnover becomes very expensive because then you're having to go through that entire process again to bring another candidate online, where staffing firms will
1: provide some sort of guarantee period of the candidates that are coming online for them. Agree, and I definitely see it exactly like you. I think the process around the recruiter and maybe the account manager will evolve. You'll have much better user experience, so to say, both for the client as well as the candidate. But you will still have that curation in the middle. So maybe the, the word recruiter changes to talent curator in the in the future. But it's definitely here to stay. And I agree on some points that you know people say that you know there is some automation, the uberization of staffing potentially on the lower end of the market where you have creating a lot of automations and you know maybe there is warehouse jobs where you quickly need to fill specific type of skill sets that you can automate without the recruiter, but going upstream in the, the definite data the recruiter is not going away anytime soon. At least that's what I think. Yeah. So yeah, well, I would <laughs> <for it. laughs> one last question before we jump into sort of the the end of this episode, what advice would you give to someone who is starting a staffing company today, I know that you are in the market with higher technologies for only a couple of years now. What are the things that you would say to somebody that is starting out today and what would be your advice to them?
0: Yeah, certainly if someone's looking to create a, a brand new staffing firm, and as I mentioned, there's there's quite a few of them out there, 30,000 odd in, in North America alone. Uh, it's really understanding what that specialization is. Be known for something. You know, Don't mm-hmm. try and be everything to everybody understand your your market, where you're gonna get your candidates from, the skill sets of the candidates in your local market. And what are you able to articulate? What's that, what are you going to be known for? And really stick into that because if you're going to go into the market and try to be everything to everybody, there's already other firms out there that are going to be doing those things as well. And you're going to be sacked up against them. So if it's if it's too thin, if you're too thin across different you know, specializations in staffing, you could be found wanting not being able to produce sort of that expert level knowledge to the client. Because again, the client's not looking just for, okay, you bring some candidates to and this is great. But it's your understanding of their industry, it's your understanding of the type of solution that you bring into the company, because they're going to be looking at you as being top of a consultant for them. As I mentioned, staffing is becoming far more consultative these days, and also being a great communicator, being able to Really sit there and listen and active listening and understand what the client's needs are, where are they taking their company, and how can you provide that little bit of extra added
1: value to, to that transaction that they're doing with you? I agree. And I think the future of the industry looks really verticalized. Like There is a lot of great examples about vertical staff and companies that are just focusing on a specific skill set and are doing this really great, growing much, much faster and providing a much clearer value proposition both to the candidate and the client. And I think specifically on even candidate attraction, this will be super crucial because if you can clearly articulate what your value is and what you're providing, then you'll have a much easier time finding candidates as well. Exactly. That's exactly right. Where can listeners find you online and learn more about Hire?
0: Yeah, so our, uh, the, the best place to
1: start, I guess, is our website, which is uh,
0: hire.company. Pretty easy, easy URL to, to remember. Uh, Hire is actually also our ticker symbol on the uh, the Toronto uh, exchanges venture exchange. And uh, so yeah, that's where you can get a lot of information on us. And also we have obviously other social media channels like
1: LinkedIn and so on as well. So yeah, that's that's where it is. Awesome. And last but not least. What is your go-to source for staffing news or industry news today?
0: Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I'm I'm a little agnostic when it comes to getting information on staffing. I mean, the uh, there's, there's the the sort of usual go tos like the SIA is, is a good one for me, where they they have a, like a daily update and, and reports coming out. But then I will read all things like bloomberg and and other news news sources as well, because I want to learn about my clients. I mean it's not mm-hmm. just the industry per se, but it's what are the companies doing. so i I go fairly broad and uh, and look at other news services as well, and just uh, I think Bloomberg would
1: probably be my other go-to. Awesome. Thank you so much, Simon, for being on this episode today. It was a pleasure to speak with you, and we'll catch up in the next couple of months and see what has changed. And in the meantime, Hopefully, you enjoy your time in Boston. And thank you so much. And I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you.
0: You've been listening to the World Staffing Podcast, brought to you by Candidly, the digital storefront for your staffing business. If you like this episode, make sure to subscribe, like, and leave a review so you don't miss out on any future episodes. Got a topic you want us to touch base on? Shoot us a message.